Reading today from the Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said to him the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds. And believe him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what do you think? Which of the two sons in the parable did the will of the father? There's a part of me that wants to say neither. I know the chief priests and elders ultimately got the answer right in terms of who literally did what the father asked. It was the first son, the one who said, I won't go, but then eventually did. Still, I have children. And if I I have asked them before similar questions, things that I would like for them to do, and I have gotten before similar answers, and I can tell you neither are satisfying. I want to a father's request is more than disappointing. And I will, without actually doing it, is maddening. Jesus didn't give us this option, but I'd like to suggest we expand the choices and line up our options on a continuum, line up the responses from best to worst, On the one hand, you'd have the the child who saw the need and went out and dealt with it even before being asked. That one surely gets a gold star, which of course he'd refuse because he was just doing what needed to be done. Then you'd have the one who was asked to go and immediately went and, and did it. That one gets a silver star at least. Next would be the one who was asked and said he wouldn't go, but then finally did go. I guess he gets a bronze star. Then the one asked, said he'd go, did not go, no star for him. 
And finally, on the other end, the one asked, said he wouldn't go, did not go. He gets whatever is the opposite of a star, a black hole, whatever that would be. If we lined you up on our continuum, where would you find your spot? Father has a vineyard, and it needs workers. Do you see an opportunity and go for it and deal with it even before being asked? If the Spirit nudges, do you respond? If the pastor and the chair of the education and spiritual growth team ask you to help out with children on Wednesday nights, do you run over and sign up or not? Am I getting too personal? The reality is, for all of us, that the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no, and sometimes a convenient, sudden occurrence of hearing loss. We could try to line ourselves up in here today, find our place on the continuum of going before ever being asked or never going no matter what. But like any room filled with adults, we would have difficulty ever making ourselves into a neat line. Maybe we would get into the right spot for that moment, but then things would change. One day we'd be closer to the obedience end of the line. One day we'd be closer to the disobedience end of the line. One hour we would say yes and mean it, and then we'd become quickly distracted from it or discouraged by it or worn out through it. We're far more complicated than those who always get it right and those who never get it right. But we are human enough to think that while that may be true, at least I'm not like those sinners. What sinner are you like? I wish Jesus had asked the chief priests and elders that question. It seems to me that that's really what he's trying to get at. They want to know by whose authority he's disrupting regular order, what with his allowing people to sing hosannas to him and then turning over tables and claiming, my house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples, but you have made it a den of robbers. They ask about where he got his authority. Jesus, in turn, wants to know by what standard they consider themselves better than the rest. How'd they get authorized to make such judgments? Particularly when they missed revelations that were right before their eyes. There's a word that Jesus uses twice in this short parable, which I think makes it notable. It's metamelome. It means change, repent, turn in a different direction. The son who said he would not go and then went to work in the field, he metamelomade his mind. The chief priests and elders, even after hearing John the baptizer's proclamation, even after seeing what John said would come to pass, come to pass, did not metamelome. Their minds were not changed. They did not believe. You know who did? The tax collectors and the prostitutes. 
Not the people, obviously, associated with the obedient end of the line. Certainly not the kind of people that the chief priests and tax collectors would think they would line up behind in our continuum of faithfulness. I think it's interesting that Jesus said that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before the religious leaders. He did not say that the religious leaders would not get in, thank God. But those of us who say, I'll do the work, then don't, are not leading the way. We'll be behind those whose first response is, I'm not doing it, but then end up changing their minds and going and, and doing it after all. I wonder what it is about those first sons, those who changed their minds. What made them ready to repent? The one in the parable might have felt guilty telling his father no. Maybe whatever it was that initially kept him from saying, I'll go, turned out to be not as fulfilling as he had hoped it would be, and and that changed his mind. Maybe he wanted to make a contribution to something that really mattered. Maybe the tax collectors and the prostitutes are tired of abusing others and themselves, making a living at it. They might have wanted a way out of those lifestyles long before they came across Jesus, but never knew how to change their situations until they met Him. And until they met the people around Him, And they realized that his followers weren't just saying nice things about God. They were living out these words that they were saying. They weren't just saying, stop doing that, it's wrong. But join us. And we'll work it out together. We'll make sure you have something to eat. And somewhere to sleep people around you who won't let your past mistakes prevent your future service. That seems to me a good motto for people who stand up in lines claiming to believe in the forgiveness of sins. We won't let your past mistakes prevent your future service. We stand in line and make such claims. And when we do, we're not lined up best to worst. We're lined up side by side. It turns out there's more than one way to make a line. Some lines do go first to last, best to worst. But some are unranked, uncategorized, unsorted, just a bunch of people together for a common purpose. Christians celebrating communion wherever they are in the world today. Marines working together to bring life-saving supplies to a devastated island. Citizens creating a human chain to pull a life out of the rubble in Mexico. Disciples creating an assembly line to make beds for children or serve breakfast and hand out bread to hungry people. Musicians coming together to play and to sing to God's glory and to our benefit. United Methodist women turning plates of barbecue and cast off treasures 
into generous support of missions near and far, and who take an unused, unattractive space and turn it into a beautiful prayer garden. What I'm hearing Jesus say is if the posture of the church is going to be, we're sinners, but at least we're not like they are, we'll find ourselves in line behind the prostitutes and the tax collectors. But if our message to ourselves and to the world and to the one who judges us is we're sinners and we need Jesus as much as anyone, and we need prostitutes and we need tax collectors and their faith and their willingness to change as much as they need us, then we'll find ourselves in a different line. Not one that goes first to last. But one that's side by side. A group of sinners who don't get it right all the time, but who do recognize our need for Jesus and who at least want to say, I'll go And then go when Jesus asks. May God make it so. Amen.